Welcome to the Model Car Podcast, a bi-weekly show about building scale model cars. This show is brought to you by the generous financial support of our Patreon backers. Our Patreon supporters get access to our behind-the-scenes Slack channel, patron extras, and even a chance to be on the show. If you can help support the show, please visit the supporters page on our website, modelcar.show. If you would like more talk about model cars, please join our Facebook group or our Slack workspace. Welcome to the Model Car Podcast. My name is Justin Twyford. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, John Dezen. How are you doing today, John? Good. Wow, short and sweet. This is episode 63. We're going to talk about easier-to-assemble kits a little bit later. But let's get into our regular stuff first. Uh, John, what's new with you? What have you been working on, buying, ordering, etc.? Excuse me. I've uh, been working a bit on the 69 Super B. I think that was actually last weekend, but <laughs> sometime earlier, days ago, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh-huh. And you, you've been getting stuff in the mail, lots of stuff, big stuff. Big stuff. Only two things, but hey, <laughs> they're both big. Uh, the AMT Ford LTL 9000 and the Mac, the Mac, the American Superliner. The American in brackets. Mac yes. Superliner. That's right. That's how it should be. But Have you opened the kits? How do they look? I have opened the kits. They do look very nice. I'm very, very, very impressed with the decals on... Which one is it? One of them... I believe it's the... <laughs> the Ford has actual metallic silver decals for Ooh, the stripes. Nice. Very spiffy looking. The Superliner, on the other hand, <laughs> has three or four variations of the dash... And that's, wow, <laughs> you don't normally get that, you know, black background, a uh, wood grain background. And it's like, wow, I didn't think back that it was offered like that in uh, those trucks. Do they have any of the Mac decals? No. Ah, so what are you, what are you going to do for that? Because I'm assuming the Mac decal should have one, at least on the hood. There's decals, there's photo etch, take your pick. And yes, ah. it should say something on the side at each side of the hood. Mm-hmm. At the very minimum. And it should have the company manufacturing name across the top of the grill. Are you picking anything up yet or not decided on where which way you're going? Haven't decided yet. Uh-huh. I know I know how I'm going to paint the truck, but beyond that, haven't decided yet. Of course, I must point out these were tooled by Italeri and as such, they're multi-piece cabs. Fun. <laughs> not that bad, honestly, but uh. just more work for nothing. And the Ford, the Ford goes one step further and actually has the, the one piece hood is two pieces. It's like, uh, why? But hey, cause you like gluing things together. Me. You have to go back to our episode that we were talking on, uh, skills that you can learn from other model car builders, like military models and, uh, things that you can apply into model car building. Good episode. Yeah, I was yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think we both were actually, but <laughs> Um, so I did something really weird this week, John. You worked on a model? Even weirder than that, I sold oh, some of my so, model oh collection. Oh my gosh. Yes, I forget about that. I just didn't realize you qualified that as weird, but. <laughs> uh, do you know, I don't sell models. I uh, just seem to collect and collect and collect. You seem to collect, sometimes build, and now apparently you sell. Hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at possibly moving the house. Uh, the, the house is up on the market. So I kind of thought, what should I do? And, uh, how do I want to move 
all of these kits. I went through the shelves, uh, came up with some, what I thought were reasonable prices based on what a thing's selling for off eBay and then deduct a little bit because eBay's crazy. Um, and hey, um, I had posted them yesterday and somebody showed up my at my doorstep this morning with a handful of cash and took away a bunch of model kits. So, yeah, Fellow Canadian, isn't he? Uh, yeah, there's a few Canadians. I've got a few different people on on here that are uh, looking at buy stuff, buying stuff. I think I've got another five or six kits that people want, and I've got to figure out how to mail it to them. But uh, this was a guy who showed up in person with with cash. I like this. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's one way to do it. Okay, there it is. Just just consulting your list again to see if anybody's spoken for the one I do like, but. <laughs> Uh, the list hasn't been updated, uh, depending on which version you're looking at. Oh, whatever you posted on Slack. That hasn't been updated with what's going uh, Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> you better get in there quick, my friend. Well, I expect, you know, preferential treatment. <laughs> first come, first serve. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, if you are interested, I'm going to be downsizing quite a bit of my kit collection. Um, particularly some of the North American kits. That's uh, largely what I was selling off this this first go. Mm -hmm. uh, what I hope are reasonable prices. Uh, take a look on either our Facebook channel or more likely our Slack channel is going to be where the conversation will happen. So feel free to send me an email at modelcarpodcast at gmail.com. I'll send you an invitation to Slack and then you'll get to see what I'm posting. If you're in the Vancouver area, also reach out to me. Uh, because, hey, that's really easy, giving me cash and walking away with boxes and boxes of model kits, just the way I like it. House do you buy happiness? Uh, yeah, I, it was like, okay, great. I, I was laughing with my wife going, now I have cash, what am I going to do with it? I haven't used cash since the pandemic started. <laughs> I actually had to resort to using it uh, the other day. I stopped at my not-so-local <laughs> hobby shop, and they 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 just wouldn't take my card the machine just wouldn't take my card it's like huh, fine cash hmm. Hmm. lucky i had it on me <laughs> i was gonna say yeah definitely that's where you pull out the backup card well i suppose i i suppose i could have charged it but oh well oh well yep what matters is i got my paint <laughs> they got money <laughs> i haven't even looked at my paint yet i do think that most of that will move with me but who knows there's a lot of stuff here, John. Oh, there's a lot of stuff. Yes. That's crazy. All right. What's new in the hobby this week? Oh, boy. We got quite a... Well, actually, I didn't say... I should start to say, like typical, we got quite a bit to talk about, but no, we don't have much to talk about. There's stuff to talk about, but not a quite a bit. Not a lot. Uh, the rumor mill. The rumor mill has been turning out things, shall we say. The rumor mill says that there is most likely going to be a 67 to 72 Chevy pickup. New tool. Mm. Is this, uh, who's this from? Mobius? And haven't really heard a name. I actually have I've heard a couple different names and given that there's only really three companies that would, you know, <laughs> sort of give sort of mo sort of, uh, narrows it down. The name that I would tend to go with, although I don't think they'll do it is Ravel, but mm. we shall see. It's almost really, you know, like planting a money tree there, you know, we've got all these Fords that Mobius has been giving us for a few years. There's an awful lot of GM Chevy fans out there. Uh -huh. And that is a class, it's a classic style. I mean, 
even I admit those Chevy, the Chevy, the Chevy pickups from late sixties into the early seventies are good looking trucks. Hmm. So my choices are if it's Ravel, it's going to be bent, but they'll replace it nine months later. If it's Mobius, <laughs> it'll be bent and I'll be screwed. <sighs> or just stick to cars. I'll stick to cars. Okay. Japanese so much nicer. <laughs> Japanese are so much nicer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I was thinking more along the line of Ravel cars, but. Mm. Okay. Well. You're not going to do that. That would be too easy. Yeah. I, I was going to say I'll stick with AMT because, uh, you know, their, their A pillars are so thick that nothing ever bends. I wouldn't say that. I think I've had one bent somewhere over the years. Just can't remember it, but. All right. What else is coming up? Uh, coming from Mobius. They're. Going to come, the, these are going to be go for the going with the evergreen Ford pickups, a ramp truck body, and a snowplow. Cool. And we have there will be pictures on the website, guys. I'm just looking at these now. Sprue shots. <laughs> Sprue shots. Yes, that's what we're calling them. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I think the last one ton wheels to go with the uh, the dual rear wheels that is to go with the ramp truck body, and the snowplow is very nice looking too. So. I'm just clicking and looking at the last one here. Yeah, you're just clicking on the snowplow one now. <laughs> I am, yes. Actually, that snowplow looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'll be a good one. That will be I can see nice. myself buying that. Mm-hmm. I really can. The ramp truck, I don't get what all the interest is in ramp trucks, but. I actually found out the other day the Model King two-pack thing that has the. Oh, yes. I have, I have one. Yep. I have one of those too. Uh, and I was contemplating. Will I build it or not? Do I sell it? And I kept it. It made the cut. It's going with me. It's going with you. Well, one of mine is signed by a former Canadian distributor that I bought mm-hmm. it from. Ooh. And I think his picture's on it, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's right. <laughs> Dennis Crane at Model Express. Ah, I wonder what day that Dennis is up to nowadays. Last I heard he was uh, working in uh, renovations homes. Hmm. Interesting. Last I knew. <laughs> that, that's what he was getting out of selling model kits to be doing. Ah, probably much more money than that, given our crazy Canadian real estate market at the moment. Mm-hmm. Quite possibly. All right. You got some bad news for us, though. Well, yes. We, unfortunately, the, the 1-1 World of Racing lost uh, Bobby Unzer Sr., which is terrible, but, you know, it's not like he was, <laughs> pardon me, he's not like he was 22. It's not like he... Died in the prime of his life. He was quite the driver. Some liked him, some didn't. And, uh, of course, our friends at Spot Models have a whole series of kits and decals to do cars that he's driven over the years. The one that caught my attention was the decals to do the Audi Quattro Sport S1 that he drove at Pikes Peak. Oh, interesting. To go with the B-Max Audi Quattro S1 kit. Very nice. So... I figured he was just a NASCAR guy. I never gave him. No, no. Some of the old school guys like him, like AJ Foyt, like Mario Andretti, all tried everything they could <laughs> when they were younger. <laughs> if it had wheels, go. <laughs> I always remember, I'm a, I'm a Nigel Mansell fan, and he was a teammate of Mario Andretti. And I was at the mm-hmm. Vancouver uh, IndyCar when they were w- racing together. Um, and Nigel came on the radio and made a very, very obscene, uh, comment about, um, getting, uh, Mario out of the, out of his way. So I don't think their uh, relationship <laughs> was uh, too good when they were together, but, uh, Guess not. I can't help think about that. But yes, I know Mario was, but, uh, I never, 
Never thought about these other guys, uh, like Adrian Foyt and uh, uh, Bobby Unser Sr. Cool. Are they all, all, all the Unsers actually are well-known for racing Pikes Peak. Mm, interesting. Again, we don't get a lot of coverage of Pikes Peak, so. No, we don't, we don't get a lot of coverage, but what I've heard over the years, they basically live at the base of the mountain, so. <laughs> it would be, there'd be something wrong if they didn't race Pikes Peak. <laughs> ah, very cool. The, the Quattro is a cool kit for that, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I may have to have to get one. <laughs> I, hey, I have I have money to buy new kits now I've sold some. <laughs> yeah, you have to tell me how you do that and <laughs> feel good about it. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna sh- I'm not sure based on what I'm uh, selling some of these kits for that this is a good financial decision. Ah, uh, okay. But uh, yeah, you know what? You can't build them all. No, you certainly can't. <laughs> All right, what's next, John? Uh, pre-order from Heller. The Peugeot 905 Evil One Bis, sponsored by Esso, the FIA World Sports Prototype Championship car from 1991. Now, normally when we see these, I kind of go, eh, another one. Eh, uh, I know yeah. people build them. I, they're just not my cup of tea. This one looks a little different from the standard, what are they, the Porsches that we normally get. Well, obviously, because it's, it's a Peugeot. I, mean, yes. I, won't, I won't say it. I'm going to get myself in trouble if I make any comments. I was going to, but no, nope, bite my tongue. Mm. The idea, though, that, uh, you know, in that in that group, there are things that look different. Similar. <laughs> they, they, Sim- similar, but they, different. They look, yes. Uh, you know, they're, they're not the Toyota that, uh, ha- to me, has been releasing forever. You know, these no. are slightly different. In that, in that respect, this is cool. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, probably still not something I'd ever build, but I like the fact that it is just a little different. I like the colors on it. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like that, actually. Uh, very weird. <laughs> now I'm costing you money. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll never There build we go. It. You're going to spend it as fast as you've earned it. Mm. Uh, Marie Kondo is uh, working her magic. Uh, my wife found her book, and I have to hold each kit and see if it sparks joy. Oh, boy. <laughs> don't you know automatically? I look at it, I don't even need to pick it up. It sparks joy. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how your tastes change over the course of time. Yes. Though the, the, next, the next one definitely, um, uh, I know where some of my money's going. Uh, we're also accepting pre-orders for the bell kits, Citroën C3 WRC Tour de Course 2018, and same car, spo- sponsored by Abu Dhabi for the Rally Guanajuato, Mexico 2017. Guanajuato. Yeah, don't, don't ask me to even try that again. That's why hey, I did it right then, because... <laughs> you're the language guy, I, if if you've got this one. I know, but I, I do not speak Espanol, okay? All right. It's all good. Neither do I. I mean, we'll go back to America's Funniest Home Videos in the first season or two. There was one that they always closed the show show with, Sahabla Everything? No. <laughs> oh, I'm just looking at the second one. It has night race parts included. So I'm assuming that's ah. all the, the headlights and everything on it. It looks like it's going to be a nightmare to paint. Mm-hmm. Unless it's decals, and then it's going to be a nightmare to decal. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out. I look. I, I'm thinking it's uh, a red, white, and flat black looking car. Yeah, it could be just the lighting for the flat black. It's hard to say, really. But uh, no, it's kind of the way that things have gone with uh, a lot of the race cars. All the Formula One cars are like semi gloss now. Really? Hmm. Dang. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. I'm going to be all over that though. 
Really? Okay. <laughs> like I said, I'm spending your money for you. Uh, yep, mm. definitely. I, you know, I like the bell kits ones. They're, they're, they're a good company and I like what they do. Yeah. They're not, they're just scrolling down, seeing what the, what spot models recommends to go with the kit. And they're not saying any exterior colors that I saw just doing it quickly. Yes. Pure white for the white, but they're not saying anything. Yeah. It's only a pre-release uh, notification at this point. So there aren't any pictures of what's in the kit or anything. No. And I haven't, I haven't actually done anything, uh, research on this. I haven't been on bell kits in a while, so I'll have to do some digging and uh, report back on it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Lastly, new for Metallica, a, there I go trying to pronounce it my way again. It's not the right way. Italari is the Toyota Land Cruiser BJ44. Okay. That's cool. Is this a new kit? Do you know? I have no idea. I think I've seen it before, but is it the same tooling? Oh, now wait a minute. Read the description. Re-edition of the classic Eshi kit. Uh. Ew. So uh. <laughs> what was cool a moment ago is not so cool now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's a square old Land Cruiser box. So, I, you know, even Eshi might have. Yeah, but it's, it's Eshi. Uh, you know, they've got pictures of the tooling and it, it doesn't look that bad. Oh, I don't know though. I could see some lines in that already. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Just spend your, buy the other, the, the, buy both of the bell kits cars then make yourself feel better. <laughs> For the right price. This might tempt me. This is uh 37 bucks us. So that's just going to be 50 bucks here. Mm-hmm. I might be tempted if I ever see it, but uh, I don't know that that kit uh, itself could be a little crude. Yeah. To put it nicely. When was the last time you saw an Eshi tool anyway? I mean. A new one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, even uh, even the ones that were out there. Well, back back when it was boxed as an Eshi. Mm. Mm. I'm just trying to think what I even have on the shelf. But. In the 80s. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> and that's it for the uh, new kits this time, guys. Wow. Short, sweet, to the point. <laughs> First time for get carpet bombed from anybody. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's talk about our suggested topic. This was a topic that you came up with, so I'm going to let you introduce it. Easier to assemble kits. Uh, what are we going to talk about, John? Obviously, with given the pandemic, we've had an awful lot of people that are either getting into the hobby for the first time or they're rediscovering the hobby and not necessarily having the skills or not knowing, you know, they're, they're not knowing like we do that man, this kit is not necessarily that good or this kid is extra complicated. You know, they're just attracted by the subject matter. And well, sometimes that doesn't really work well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, you know, for us. If you, for example, my, my favorite belly button car, the 69 Camaro, both AMT and Ravel have offered the kit. The, well, the 67, 68, 69 Camaro. If you ask me right away, I'll tell you right now, don't touch an AMT kit. In general or that one specifically. That, that one specifically, if you, it does not, in my eyes, I have one, I have looked at it. It's likely never going to get built because <laughs> no, it, it does just doesn't look right. John, are you going to start selling things too? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll keep it anyway, just in case. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that one, who am I going to sell it to? Is anybody going to buy that? You know, any adult modeler worth his salt knows, eh, you really want a nicer 67, 68, 69 Camaro, go get the Ravel. You know what? There's, there's somebody out there for everything. Oh, true. I've, yeah, I've seen them built on, uh, 
on Facebook. I've seen them. <laughs> well, that's your problem. You're looking on Facebook. <clears throat> yeah, <boy. laughs> it's going to be one of those days. <laughs> it really is. Um, so what, what would you recommend for people to start with? Uh, do you recommend easier to assemble snap kits or just easier to assemble kits or what's the differentiation between those two for you? Well, you can say, you could say snap kits, but honestly, if you go back far enough, the snap kits really weren't that detailed. You know, in my book, snap kits became a viable choice for us adults in what was it? 92, 93 when Ravel introduced their Caprice police car kit, mm. which of course then they turned into an Impala. And I think I could be totally wrong. Could, totally off base here. We'll quickly try to see if I can find out because I know I have one. I think the Impala right now is not even being offered, being issued as a snap kit. You know, it's just a, it's a kit. Yeah. I'm just thinking, cause I think I only have it with an engine. That's why I was quiet. I didn't. Oh yeah. But they're, they're plat. They've always had an engine. The Impala and Caprice have always had engines, but they were still a snap kit. They were still snap kits. Yeah. You push the engine halves together. I've done that. And, the first one I built after that, I started gluing it all. Just, well, why not? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so what is an easier to assemble kit? Is it just an easier to sell? It doesn't have to be a snap. Does it have to have an engine? Does it not have to have an engine? I guess trying to define what that would be, would be a good place to start. You know, my book, it doesn't, not everything has to have an engine. Not, of course, not everything, even though <laughs> I tend to work differently, but not everything has to be a fully detailed build either, but that's. <laughs> That's me. Mm-hmm. I do like a. Sh- I do like to look at a chassis, but you know, for example, with Ravel's uh, current uh, Mustang kit, the chassis is just a plate. Mm. No, <laughs> mm. that bothers me. But uh, if you want, you know, if you're into muscle cars, what do you? Re- you don't. You don't have an option for snap kits. But there are kits that uh, Monogram tooled in the late seventies, early eighties when they basically basically created the muscle car kit line as a, as something, you know, interesting for us that they did back then, like their 70 boss 429 Mustang, like the, the 70 Plymouth Roadrunner, the 70 Plymouth GTX, the, the 70, 70 Plymouth, uh, Superbird too, is actually the, they're down on parts, but the basics are there. The car will just look right. Not as complicated to assemble. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't like it. I admit it. Admittedly, I'm working on the '69 Super B. There's another one right there. I was trying to come up with that. The '69 Super B has uh, the exhaust system molded to the rear axle. I'm not a fan of that idea, but it is one less thing to try and uh, try to assemble. Try to put. You know, does that make it any easier, or does that actually make it more difficult because now you have to detail paint? Mm. Yeah, it depends who you talk to. Really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think this is interesting because I think you and I come from a different place on this, mostly because of the kits you're passionate about and the kits I'm passionate about are a little different. And so I look at this quite differently. Um, you know, the, the easier to assemble you've got in the show notes, most Timaeus being easier to assemble. A lot of them. Yeah. Mo- most are not all of them are, but most of them are. I would say, yes, they're easy to assemble. In the fact that the parts actually fit without having to mess around and test fit and adjust and all the rest of that. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is more an issue with crappy manufacturing than it actually is uh, with the assembly process. 
But I would also say that many Tamiya kits are much more difficult to get a good looking build out of because of the level of detail, the level of masking. You know, most Tamiya kits are more modern kits. So you're going to be uh, masking and painting uh, window trim and, uh, you know, door um, headlights and, and things like that, that you... That's what that now that's what we do. Someone younger and less experienced doesn't necessarily have to mask and paint that window trim. This is true, but uh, again, we're looking at what is the best thing. I like to give an to give an example of something that I think is an excellent snap kit. Uh, just uh, last month, I finished that uh, Aoshima one thirty two second scale um, Toyota two thousand GT, mm-hmm. and that was actually wonderful. It was I had mentioned the window trim on it it was done almost as a foil yeah that's so you needed some skills to burnish it down though it's almost enough to make me want to buy one i hate to tell you just to see how that works but uh i know chris martin and our friend of the show chris uh (laughs) has uh purchased i think a couple of them i know one of them i think he's building for his daughter or his daughter's going to help him but they're great great little kits and they're inexpensive they're a great place to start they're smaller. There's not a lot of detail. Uh, you saw the one I built, John. Yes. I, I, uh, I think it turned out. I'm still amazed. You know, you said that, that the window trim was chrome, well, essentially chrome foil, but it's not foil. And it's like <laughs> a chrome yeah. sticker then. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't look at that and look at, I, I mean, part of that is I did a little bit of detail work on it, but I don't think most people would look at that and say, that's a crappy snap kit. Would you? No. No, no, like no, it, no, 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 it, no, no. It is a very good displayable uh, kit. You know, I, I think there's a, a lot of kits on my uh, kit collection stand that maybe no, don't even stand up as nicely as that one does, even though that had arguably less parts. So it's it's kind of tough to say where that is. I've come across snap kits. I, di- I was building with Kaylee. I came across a lot of snap kits that did not fit together well. You know, kits that I had to drill out mounting points before I could let her, as a nine-year-old girl, um, put together. She There was no way this was going into that hole without breaking something. And uh, I was kind of disappointed with that. So, you know, is it it easy to say snap kits are where to start? Uh, Is it easy to say what the, the, uh, a less detailed and easier to assemble kit is? The Mustang, to me, a Mustang GT4 that you did last year mm. falls into the most to me is, uh, slash easier to assemble kits. It's got no engine. Everything fits nicely. Mm-hmm. Would you call that a great starter place for a new builder? Hmm, that's a darn good question. I, I, I will agree about what you're saying, but there's also some fiddly little parts. If you're not, uh, you're not habituated to working with such small parts, hmm, you know? And I would say most to me is are very, very similar to that. They, hmm. they are great. Yeah, I guess you see, I, I was thinking back to when I started with Tammy is one of the first ones I discovered was the Audi Quattro streetcar, mm-hmm. the eighties Audi Quattro. And I, you know, I was obviously much younger than two, zero problems with assembling that. I don't recall any teeny tiny little pieces that were 
<laughs> you know, tweezer bait, <laughs> shall we say? Yep. Yeah, uh, to me, I believe that kit has uh, separate windshield wipers and yeah. separate um, rear view mirrors know. and stuff like that. That, again, they're little details, but they fit together just a little bit better, which makes it a little easier to assemble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend people starting in the hobby? Because that's what we're talking about. I guess really for anybody starting in the hobby, it it's going to be subject matter that excites you yeah. first because that's what's going to get you there. If you are, there's a lot of, uh, starting in the hobby, I guess, is one thing. Uh, modern kits, there's a lot of modern kits. And if you're a person starting in the hobby, the chances are you'll like those. The, a lot of the snap kits from the last 20 years are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. They build up pretty well. You'll need a few skill sets to do that. You'll need to learn how to sand uh, and look for mold lines. You'll need how to test fit, uh, particularly if you're dealing with North American stuff. <laughs> uh, and you'll need a little bit of care and attention. Uh, you'll be able to do some pretty decent jobs. And they're going to be a little bit cheaper than going for a Japanese kit in a lot of cases. Would you agree, John? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, if you are somebody that is getting back into the hobby, the chances are, you know, if you're a North American, you're back in the hobby, the chances are you're looking at the stuff you grew up with, which could be anything from muscle cars, like John builds. Yeah, but John didn't grow up with muscle cars. You grew up in the age of muscle cars, my friend. I didn't see, I don't recall seeing many. Let's put it that way. You were a casualty of OPEC. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there you go. That I'd believe. <laughs> um, hey, you know, we don't want to go talk about what we grew up with. I grew up with, uh, um, uh, Torinos and Pintos. And I had a Pinto. <laughs> oh, Jesus! So did my dad, but <clears throat> yeah, that was a great yeah. car. Great memories on that car. Yeah. When we, when we all started driving, I had a friend said, said to me, the last place I want to be in an accident is to have a Pinto in front of me and have an Audi come up behind me with Audi's unintended deceleration of the mm-hmm. mid to late 80s and Pintos with their unprotected gas tanks the back. And Hey, I had some, I was 18 when I got that car. I have some really good memories about it. <laughs> uh, that was my first sort of independence, you know? Yep. Ah, anyway, um, so what, what do you think you'd recommend for people to start looking at? You know, the classic kits, the, the sixties kits, you know, let's say somebody's into cars such as yourself, where's a good place for them to start? That's, you know, again, it, it's a question of how many pieces, how, what do you, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> you're still going to end up with small pieces you may not want to play with, like the side view mirrors, but, uh, really, I guess, you know, if you want to, if you want a modern kit of a muscle car, virtually anything that's come out in the last 20 years fits that category. They all build well. There's nothing excessively small or fiddly aside from the side view mirrors. But then it's the question is, how do you know what was tooled in the last 20 years? That's a good question, isn't it? And the model and the model companies do not make it easy on you, you know? Yeah, okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll offer you this kit of this car from that year and we made it in that year. Yeah. That kit of, you know, let's, let's use my 70, uh, Mercury Cyclone, for uh, an example, the kit was tooled in 1969-1970. Does it fit like a modern, like a kit tooled in 2010? No, it doesn't. But 
<laughs> it's the only way to do it. That's the problem, and you and you can't you can't tell by looking at the box. It would be nice if they did put something on the box that said, "Yes, we made this then." Mm-hmm. But then you're, they're shooting themselves in their own foot, aren't they? Because <laughs> if you don't know, you buy it, and yeah, but then I've wasted money on your product, and why should I buy it again? Yeah, it can turn somebody off pretty quickly to to a uh, thing. I'm just looking. I've I see on the shelf in front of me here. Uh, I think it's AMT. No, it's Ravel. I lied. Uh, Camaro concept car, snap tight car. Camaro concept car. Camaro uh, it, molded in red. Uh, it, uh, no, it's a. I'm not sure what it's molded in. Uh, this is actually one of those few sealed kits. I got it back from Kaylee when she grew out of. Okay. Uh, but it's a it's a 2010 version of the Camaro, the new gen Camaro. Oh, Camaro. Yeah. Okay. Camaro. Camaro. I was thinking Corvette. Don't know why. It just stuck in my head. Yes, Camaro. Yes. Uh, beautiful little kit that fits together really well. Mm-hmm. You can learn a lot while doing something like that. I would say that most of the cars that were designed for John's muscle car interests are going to be a heck of a lot more complicated. They're largely going to have engines and with engines and more detailed suspension becomes a lot more fit problems that you're going to run into. Something simple like a snap tight like that. Uh, the Ford GT that uh, Ravel did, they did a whole in that the whole bunch of those in this series. They had a police car. They had, mm, but if they that one is Chatley, the Ford GT from Ravel has its own challenges. If you're buying the second generation car, which is the Ravel kit, then you have the challenge because it's. It's a two-piece body put together. Yeah. The two body parts are pre-assembled and the windshield is in too, if memory serves. Uh-huh. That's a complication if you don't want to build it in the color that it's molded in. Yeah, this is true. Um, but that line, there was an Audi R8, I think, in there as well. It yep. was, you know, I, again, are they perfect? Heck no. But they're a great place to start if you want to get started or if you want to get somebody new into the hobby. They're modern kits. That's what I'm saying. If you look for something modern, you're probably going to get it together a whole lot easier than some of the more challenging kits. I don't think there's a lot of muscle cars that are good snap together kits. Uh, Ravel has one. <laughs> one. I ha- Yes, I have not built it. I have it. It's a nice kit. There's nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't move to the top of the build. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's my, my, my favorite belly button car, the 69 Camaro. Uh-huh. There was, they issued it as a wheels of fire kit. I cannot tell you if it is still being offered, but I do have one. It came molded in yellow. You, but it's a nice kit. Mm-hmm. I, there's probably a few out there. I think there was an old Corvette that was in that series as well that might be dumbed down. But hmm. they're harder and harder to find. Most kits that you buy have a lot of detail. Yeah, true. So where do you start? That's the that's the question. <laughs> If you're going to an actual physical hobby shop, ask a guy, ask the guy who's there, ask the guy running the shop, ask the guys who you see looking at the models, buying the models. Mm-hmm. Odds are they might have an idea. Yeah. Some of the old curbside stuff is actually pretty good too. I think that's one of the things you might want to consider. What was the, the Nova wagon that came out, right? Yeah. That, now that is pretty good. That's actually a very nice kit. An old retooled kit, yes. Yeah, you have to be careful with what, which ones you get. There's, a, Isn't there a Triumph that Ravel did? A GT... It's a hatchback, funky little hatchback. I cannot think of what it is right now, but because it's a multi-piece body on that car with all the curves, no, no. Oh, the old uh, GT6? That's it, that's it. 
So. That's it. I didn't want to yes. say it, but that's what I was thinking of. Yes. Uh, the the new one, yeah. I mean, certainly there's a lot out there that can, could be used as a good thing. It's going to be so hard. Um, I would say the bigger lesson, pick something that is exciting to you. If you don't, if you buy a kit and it looks too complicated, don't build the interior, glue the hood shut. Yeah, there's that too. Just because, just because the pieces there doesn't mean you have to use them all. You know, some people like to have a lot of detailed engine parts. Some people just want to have a replica of something that looks like they, they drew, they drove when they were in school or that their dad had or whatever. There's lots of ways you can go to make things a little bit easier for you. Um, how many, you, you started young, you didn't really come back into the hobby. You didn't leave it. So I guess you're building just and improved over time. Mm-hmm. I got back into the hobby uh, after I finished my first university degree, I was looking for something to kill some time and, uh, I got back into sort of adult modeling and I probably built five or six kits that are by my standards today, absolutely horrible. <laughs> uh, but what they did was they excited me enough. I got them up on four wheels. I got parts glued in. They were good enough that I had some pride in them again, not knowing, you know, what that, what that standard was. Um, but I built them, I'd completed them, I'd finished them with my own hands and that got me wanting to learn more and do more, do more and improve my skill. And you discovered scale auto. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, the, I had scale auto before. The difference for me was when I joined a model club, uh, I, uh, my building, talking to people, I never went to shows or anything like that before I kind of got back into model building. It was always a solitary thing. Talking to people is a great thing. Building a community, sharing what you've got. Um, our Facebook group has a few new builders in there and I can tell you what they're. And that's, and that, that's exactly why I thought of this yeah. topic. Yep. They are doing fantastic stuff. I love seeing that everybody's so positive, you know, rather than looking at, well, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. It doesn't matter. People are building. They're proud of what they're building. They're showing it off. And it's so fantastic to see. So really, you know, uh, look for the community, encourage people to find the community. Our Facebook group, uh, you know, one of the very, very few reasons I check in on Facebook occasionally is an excellent place to have very good modelers be supportive of people that have not yet developed the skills. I'm not going to say they don't have the skills. They've not yet practiced enough to develop the skills to different people's levels. And you know what? That's okay. Having different skill sets, building for yourself, building to enjoy it. Hell, we've been in a pandemic for the last year. So, <laughs> uh, you know, if, so, if you've had a good time and you've enjoyed what you're doing, it's a great way to spend a little bit of time. I haven't got any bench time the last couple of weeks with all the stuff going on around the house and I miss it. I miss some quiet time. No, you didn't, for you, myself. didn't twitch, you didn't do the Twitch thing yesterday, did you? No, nobody talked to me about it. I was no. thinking about uh, spending a couple of hours going on Twitch. I posted it up and uh, everybody was working or anything else and I thought <laughs> That's what I that's what I was doing yesterday. <laughs> I, I just got to the point of okay, well, I'll do something else instead. I was actually at my workbench, but, uh, I was cleaning up and getting rid of stuff. 
Uh, do you remember me saying, John, that uh, my typewriter collection had found a home <laughs> underneath my workbench because I have a large workbench? And they've been making like rabbits and Ooh, multiplying? They have. <laughs> uh, I, actually, I actually got rid of three large old um, typewriters that were oh, good gosh. under my bench. So my entire bottom of the bench, I have one recycling blue container. Everything else is cleaned up. Wow. Can you believe it? My, you, underneath mine isn't that clean. <laughs> no. Um, this is this is the getting rid I had an old computer there. I even had an old Windows computer there, John. I even booted into Windows. You admitted? You, you're willing to admit? You're willing to go online and admit that you had a Windows computer? Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> back in the 90s, um, Mac uh, was not doing well. Windows was developing really good software. And unfortunately, it's gone completely the opposite ever since. Uh, Windows has just got. Uh, anyway, in my opinion, I think the Mac operating system is uh, is far superior. And going back and actually having to use Windows yesterday, boy, did I did I feel that it was it was like uh, working in a weird language. Uh, but anyway, you know, I <laughs> working in a weird language. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, nothing against Windows if you grew up with it, you're comfortable with it. Oh, um, you know, I, some of the things that I do are perhaps a little more, uh, power user-ish and, uh, I have automations and programs that I just aren't available or don't work as well in windows. So that's just me. But yeah, I went into, you know, I cleaned up everything, John. I was at my bench, so it was a very exciting time. Cool. But I wasn't feel like you did stuff. You accomplished something. Yeah. I, I, and I, I sold some kits. I told you, I sold. Yeah, things. you keep you keep telling us that. <laughs> All right, um, cool. So I think we've got some ideas. If if you know, let us know what you think are great kits. Maybe we could even uh, set up a post on our website of, and on Slack. Why not? Well, yeah, you know, let us know what you think. Do it Slack. We can do it Facebook. We can do it all the places. You know, we get enough recommendations. What's easy to assemble? What's what would you recommend for the? For somebody who's getting into it who hasn't done it before, or maybe he's done it, well, 20 years ago, but you should remember a little something, but hmm. yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Cool. We'll follow up with that. All right. Uh, any reminders that you want to talk about before we get into some questions we've got? Well, it's not like we've got any model shows to go to. <laughs> uh, we have a question about model show. Yeah, that's true. We do. We do. That's right. You want to do that one first or? Yeah, um, just a reminder, go to John's YouTube channel. Uh, search for Can-Am Garage on YouTube. Yeah, and we're several weeks into building the 69 Dodge Coronet Super B, the A12 car, and we're, well, the body the body got a coat of color about sometime in the past week, so <laughs> we're definitely getting somewhere. Uh, Twitch stream, I have one. However, I'm not sure that I have time at the moment to do that. Uh, check with me it's because he's I selling models, <laughs> selling models. Yes. I'll have nothing left, nothing left to go on Twitch with. Um, most Saturday mornings, I'm going to try to do that. Uh, if you're on Slack, I will post on Slack when I'm actually going to do that and see if anybody is interested in joining me, but it really largely comes dependent on all the stuff I've got to do on that honeydew list, which is pretty excessive. <laughs> the, the honeydew list is considerably bigger than any, every other list put together at the moment. Yeah, and this are you know if we actually do sell the house, there's going to be a hard deadline. All this stuff needs to get done, and that's an incredible motivator. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Remember the <laughs> days when you used to be motivated to build for a show because 
the deadline was coming? Never done that. Oh, you've never you've never stayed awake all night trying to build for nope. a show. Nope. 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 Of course, I was on a medication that <laughs> played with my schedule as is. You know, it got it. You got into doing this. You're going to do this every day at this time. So, eh. mm. it was just easier instead of trying to fight it. Just go to sleep. Cool. I have done multiple late night, overnight uh, builds because I want to get this finished and show it at the show tomorrow. Nope. It. But remember, I'm not a part of a club either. So neither. Well, yes. You know, I'll only going to three or four shows a year. That gives me plenty of lead time. If it's done, it's done. If it's not, it's not. Yeah, but lead time be damned. You wait till the last minute and you rush like hell. Isn't that the way of the world, John? Not how I work when it comes to models, but mm. I shall All finish right. no model before it's time. Apparently. Okay, we got questions. Uh, Mike Dreyfus uh, sent me an email. Having got back into the hobby after 20-year absence, so... Uh, when we're talking about these kits, uh, there's a lot of people coming back in. Uh, glad to have you back, Mike, and thank you for finding us. He's got some questions. We're going to cut through so we're not here too long. He found myself purchasing certain kits for options and extras they include rather than for the kit itself. Do you ever see a time when kit manufacturers spe sell specific accessories separately? Uh, and he gives some examples of uh, specific engines or manual auto transmissions separately, uh, different hoods, chassis, wheels, options, uh, aftermarket manufacturers that he's questioning versus what a kit manufacturer would do. Uh, what do you have as thoughts on this, John? The quickest, are the, are, are the kit manufacturers ever going to do this? No, because, it, the, you know, the cost of, Selling an engine and, and you know marketing it as just an engine kit is going to be cost prohibitive. And the engines, even though everything's supposed to be the same size through every car, sometimes things are tweaked just a little bit to fit in a certain kit, if you get what I mean. If you really want, you're, you're buying, you find yourself buying multiples of the kit just for the engine or just for the transmission or similar ideas. What you need to be doing is looking into RTV casting. You get some RTV rubber, you make a mold around the part that you want cast, pour the rubber, take out the original part after it's cured, and start pour, start putting in resin. It's re realistic. I know you're, oh, this is advanced, this is going to cost. Yeah, it's going to cost, but in the long run, it's cheaper to do that than to buy kits for it. If you buy, you know, especially at today's prices, if you're looking at 30 40 or so dollars for a kit. Okay, so the resin kit will cost you, let's say, 50 or 60. Initially, it's more expensive, but after you cast two or three of the same engine or two or three of the same transmission, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> Isn't, doesn't this make sense now? Yeah, I think looking at our recent, you know, some of the conversations we've had kit, with kit manufacturers. Oh, I've tried to convince a kit manufacturer that doing something modular would be the way and no. Well, it doesn't make sense for them. Financial sense. That's right. They have invested in all the general tooling. What they want to do is resell as many tools as possible of the entire kit. That's right. And if you have to buy two or three versions to get all the different versions to make the version you've want, 
And that's why they're doing it. Two or three versions. They've succeeded. Yep. They sure have. In the old days, there were a few kits that came out, you know, AMT. I'm just looking at Two and one, now. three and ones, AMT, heck, even. Well, they, they sort of do it now, but not as much. But you could, you know, there are kits out there that you will you will have, you know, different sets of wheels and tires. That counts as a two, two and one people, <laughs> yep. at least from the manufacturing point of view. Yep. They, uh, there's the competition parts kit that I was looking at the other day that had four or five engines in it came out <laughs> 10 years yeah. ago or so. Something like there's, that. Uh, I've got a bunch of these wheels sitting on my, uh, you know, the little red uh, uh, eight pack of wheels. That oh yes, the AMT wheels separately. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things out there, but I think that the things that are out there from a manufacturer are going to be different than what you would like to see. You know, there's not enough people going to worry about here's the engine that comes in the kit, or I'm going to spend an extra amount. You know, there's, there's a very few number of people that I think would go and spend another $50 to buy a slightly different engine. There are some out there, but there's also some really good aftermarket stuff too. And I think that's a niche, the symbiotic relationship, if you like, that aftermarket has with the kit manufacturers in the fact that a kit doesn't, you know, a kit manufacturer needs to have a specific volume. From my understanding, a lot of our aftermarket guys are doing it as a side hustle, a part-time deal. Uh, virtually all of them are. It's the only one that I ever knew that was close to being full-time was the Model House. Mm-hmm. Model House, uh, Scale Motorsports, I think, was also full-time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're probably right on that. If not, it does take him a lot of time to do what he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Model Car Garage, I think uh, the people behind there, were also, that was a full-time business. But those are very few compared to, oh, and replicas and miniatures of uh, Maryland, I think is full-time. Yeah, it might be now. I don't know if it started that way, but. Um, but, uh, you know, these are, these are things out there that you could do on a different level. If you're tooling it up, you have to have such a volume of that to make it worthwhile. And, you know, the tooling costs are, are, are huge. So to amortize that into a new kit with different parts, Makes perfect sense for a kit manufacturer. So I don't think it'd be profitable for, I think there would be less profitability in selling these as small packs. The small packs would cost less. They would retail for less. There would be less markup for it. The tooling that sell for a full kit would just sit there unused. And so it's going to be much more advantageous for a kit manufacturer to change a couple of things and put it out as a new kit. And that's my thought on it. Don't disagree with you. Uh, you, you did uh, did mention uh, 3D printed. Uh, I can't say as I've seen it, but I'm sure somebody's done it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking right now to see if I was right on resin, you know, like a resin engine. I know Model House did a few, but the Model House is long gone, so you can't count on that. And I'm not seeing any... Resin engines where I thought I might see them. So, um, who was it uh, that was doing the really nice engines and got out of it a couple of years back? Oh, the Canadian guy, uh, Ross, somebody, yeah, uh, Ross Gibson. Yeah, that's it. Canadian. Um, if you can find any of those beautiful engines, those, those are beautiful engines. I do have one. Wow, <laughs> forget <laughs> about know, those. <laughs> there, there are things out there that that can do that. A lot of the tooling on engines isn't necessarily correct anyway. 
So you can often find, you know, intakes and uh, things like that that are resin that will change something that looks like an engine to a different engine. Mm-hmm. So lots of choices. Uh, but yeah, it's all going to be aftermarket, I think, for the majority of that. Different hoods, they are available in resin. Uh, different chassis. There's some, mar- you know, I'm, I'm not going to say they aren't. I'm going to say, yeah, but the question is who? Good question. Uh, wheel options, yeah, the different aftermarket guys do do those. I know, for example, that Fireball has an extensive selection of wheels and tires that are all different than what you're ever going to get in a kit, which is very, very, very cool. <laughs> and could it be profitable for kit manufacturers to sell those parts as accessories right on packs? Not unless they're designed from the get-go that we're going to do something like that, like with how AMT is doing it with their wheel packages. Uh-huh. Because, you know, if you go back, what, 10 years ago, the wheels weren't anything special. The tires, excuse me, weren't anything special. Nowadays, well, they're, they're white, they're white litters on one side or yeah, white litter on one side, red lines on the opposite side or yeah. And you know, it's like, wow, this, <laughs> if you're going to do that, <laughs> you may as well sell them as accessory kits for all of those kits that we have on our shelves. Yes. For all the kits that we have on our shelves. And of course, and in, in, I've done this, you know, I swapped some of those, my monogram does it, monogram Ravel does it now too. And I swapped those around to get the look I wanted on my 68 Chevelle or you know, 68 Chevelle. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Mm-hmm. Cause we've got a bunch this week, John. Yeah. We go from nothing to zero to hero. <laughs> Harold reached out. Um, he had a question about he's going to his first event mm-hmm. uh, where he is. I think it's uh, Indianapolis area. Mm-hmm. They have a show next weekend. Can you imagine that? Braver, braver than that. <laughs> braver than I am. <laughs> no kidding. I can't say this year for us, but hey, you know, that border, things are a lot different down south. Uh, and you know what? They're doing pretty well. And I hope everybody, if you're there, stay safe. That's all we're asking. Uh, but Harold asks, what should I expect and how can I find the best deals at the swap meet? Uh, now Harold is uh, another guy that's got back into modeling seriously over the pandemic. So, uh, great to have you as part of the show. Thank you very much. Uh, John. Yeah. I'm trying to think how I was the first time I went to model show as a 18, 20 year old, 21 year old. Wow. <laughs> I remember where it was. I don't remember much about the show. I remember mm-hmm. being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So generally you get to a show, to... you are going to have to register. Uh, yep. So make sure what I would say is. If, if that is, if you're bringing a model to be yep. part of the show, yep. you're going to have to register. <laughs> um, if you're going to do that, uh, get your registration forms if possible ahead of time or have a manual list of everything that you will uh, make your own make you know and if you've done anything to your kits make sure you you know you can you can detail out a sheet of paper at at home saying i've done this i've done that you know aside from just building out of the stock i've added uh, flocking for carpeting i've painted it in whatever factory color photo etch whatever if you're doing that Uh Uh, what i do uh, and i know this is going to sound really really terrible is Uh i leave my car i leave my cars uh, somewhere, uh, usually in a car, usually in a hotel room because mm-hmm. we're staying there. I go and register with just a piece of paper 
and get into the show as quickly as I can to scout the swap meet. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you work like my friend Robert does. <laughs> yep, um, and I don't spend a lot of time doing that, but a lot of people will go, and there's a juggle for the best spot on a table. And I'll come back to that because there is a there is still a technique to do that. You want to get a good spot. You don't want to wait till the end. Uh, get there early is sort of my advice. But get into the venue and do one tour or maybe two tours of the vendor tables. If you like it enough, if you like it enough to put your hands on it, give the guy money for it right now. Because you say, ah, oh, I'll wait. I'll come back. Mm, no, no, <laughs> it won't be there when you come back. If you're looking for things, have an idea of what the value is. So you can yes. work out whether it's a good price or not. First thing in the morning, you're going to have a lot of people coming in looking for very similar types of kits. You are not going to get the best price. If you want something and it's rare, and again, that's hard on your first show. I would say your first show, you do a quick lap. You might pass up something that you want. But that's okay. You might also get it for $20 cheaper further down the road. If it's a price that you think is good and you like it, grab it then. If you're not sure about the pricing, look around. There's so many times that you go into a model car show and you see what you thought was a rare kit. And every vendor has it all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, they, they seem to come in waves. Um, you know, all of a sudden you paid for, you paid 40 bucks for it over here and you turn around and it's 30 over there. That uh, kicks you in the rear on your start of the morning. So mm -hmm. I would suggest doing, scouting it out, seeing what you'll see is quickly. Some vendors will have certain types of subjects. There's going to be guys that have the boxes of pyro kits and the old vintage stuff, and they're going to be wanting the top dollar for it. There's other guys that are going to be clearing out boxes and boxes of like Justin nineties, nineties <laughs> uh, style kits for reasonable prices. There's other guys that are going to come with parts boxes full of junk that you, if you're looking for fresh kits, you're probably not going to find it there. Or you're going to find things that have parts missing. You'll get a very good idea of what it is looking around. Um, that would be my suggestion. Once you've looked around, you've probably bought a couple of kits. I would go back. I'd grab my, grab my, uh, display kits, bring those in that they're registered and start setting those up. Um, I recommend two things. One, find a small, unobtrusive base, uh, the little wooden plaques from Michael's or Hobby Lobby work really well for those. You can decorate those up just a little bit. You don't want to make it into a display that would be a diorama, but you want to yeah, have, you, you have to be, depending on the shows, you have to worry about the base too. Some shows are very picky about it. Again, check your show rules. <laughs> check your show rules. But if you can, put it on something. The reason you want to put it on something is if somebody needs to move your car, they can move it on a base. Yep. You don't want anybody touching your car. You also want to find as close to the center of table as possible. Because <laughs> I've been at shows where people have brought in children or excited adults for that matter. Oh, look, pointy, 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 touch, touch, touch. Oh, point just that? How about roll, roll, roll down the table? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm trying to be nice. Um, but yes, the center, the, the closer you are to the center of the table, the less likely you are going to be to have damage to your car from people touching it. 
leaning over it, hitting it. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you display your information correctly on it. Um, move it around the table. Find the best lighting. I've been to a lot of shows where the lighting is great and other shows where the lighting is horrible. And a class can, if you're going to a judge show with classes, picking that spot directly under the light or just out of the light may really help your car really pop. And more importantly, it may really hide some of your defects if you have any. Oh, geez, this shows, you know, this little scratch. Mm. Let's move it over here. And, oh, that angle, you don't really see it. Um, you know, turn it around, face it towards the window so you get a little bit of better light on the front and you hide that boo-boo that you made in the back in the dark spot. There's a couple of things you can do. Um, you know, it's it's still visible. A good judge is going to see it. But, you know, you want you want to show it off in the best possible light. Yeah, and sometimes you just can't get good light in some show locales, too. Definitely. There's, there's, there's one I'm thinking of. The guys are great. You know, the location is good. The display rooms, well, even, even the vendor's room is just mm, horrible for light. Just It's a cave with uh, the old gymnasium halogen lights from when we were kids. Well, that, that's, that's not too far off what NNL East has. The old, the, you know, it's a gym. It is a gymnasium, but the lighting is good there. There's one whole wall of windows and lots of light from above. That works. The show I'm thinking of is, well, it's a Canadian show. <laughs> Not here in Quebec, but the the guys are great. It's a very welcoming place to go, but the rooms for display, oh boy. There's one small vertical window at each end of a wall, and in between, well, there's just the lights from overhead, and it's not lit enough for models. It's just not. There's a show I go to like that down in the States, and the oh, there's it has no windows the only thing it does is you open a set of double doors at the end of the gymnasium oh, and you let in a slight bit of light but that's behind all the vendor tables so really you're dealing with uh, whatever is coming out of the, the fluorescent light so you know don't don't worry about it too much um it and enjoy it enjoy the time uh enjoy the time voting i make several trips throughout the day around Go around the vendor's room. Sometimes somebody's willing to take a little bit less on something than they were at nine o'clock in the morning. Yep. Uh, the best time for deals, depending on what time the show is done. Oh, the last half hour or judging has started and there's still vendors selling stuff. And that's when you go looking for a deal. Yep. If uh, people are starting to pack up, keep an eye on what you like at each place, mm -hmm. then go and have a conversation with them. Um, you know, also uh, make a reasonable offer. You know, the more you buy from a particular vendor, the more they may accept a reasonable offer. Oh, yes. Some vendors play, play the game where they price really high and expect to haggle. Other ones price it fairly, and I pay them exactly what they're wanting. Really comes down to knowing your price on what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, I've got some amazing deals, though, at the end of it, where I've looked at it several times. It hasn't sold, and you just go, you know what? Nobody else is going to buy it, you know, especially for someone like me who has a less uh, North American focused um, <laughs> interest. I can sometimes get some pretty decent deals uh, just by being patient. Other things I pay top dollar because damn it, I want that car. <laughs> Can't have it in the driveway. So I'll take the kit. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that's, that's about the right way to go. Right, John, any other pearls of wisdoms you would recommend for Harold? Oh, don't forget to have fun. Enjoy yourself. Talk to the other guys because 
as Tom Geiger of Tri-State, the club, the club that puts on NNLEs puts it, you're not driving 200, 300, 400, whatever miles. You're not driving seven, eight hours for the little plastic cars we put on the tables. You're there for the person-to-person interaction because our hobby does tend to be very insular. It's just us working at home. You talk to the other guys, you Next time you see him, he's going to be likely going to be a friend or at least somebody you can talk to again. You can learn tips, techniques, you know, learn, oh, hey, I didn't know you you lived that close to me. You know, there's all, there's all that, that if you don't do it, you'll regret it. You go to a lot of NNL style shows. Just that one. <laughs> do you find that judge shows are less open? Depends where you are. I've been told that locally, the well, the the guys from Classic Plastic, which is in southern New Hampshire, northern Massachusetts, I've been told that by them that coming up to Quebec, they find that the judging is very tough up here, and it is for them. It's a bit quiet, you know. It's a bit uh, like as you said there a moment ago, you know, it, it's not so open. Yet we go down there. Those guys, when we go down there, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Robert and I are, truly do speak English. <laughs> So that's really not a concern, but they, they, they're, they're a great bunch. Really. I think it can be quite intimidating. I think up here, I've seen a lot of people working a room. Oh yes. I've seen that before too, but <laughs> just ignore that. There is a level of clickishness. Um, with, there can be a level with, of clickishness with model cars and don't stand around your model listening to people critique it. Um, no, please don't, please don't do that. <laughs> you won't feel, you won't enjoy yourself if you do that. No, no. If you see a guy with a flashlight run in the opposite direction, because yep. they're going to tell you something negative, they're going to, you know, and, and loudly proclaim that they're an expert and you're not, not everybody's like that, but there's always a few. There's always somebody at a show somewhere. And if there's one, there's going to be two. I had somebody on Facebook marketplace message me yesterday who wasn't actually buying a kit from me because I've got my kits listed up there locally oh, yeah. who meshed me to complain about the description that I had and correct me. It's like, dude, excuse me, dude, <laughs> if you're not going to buy, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I took every critique me on how I've written the ad. Really? Yes. Uh, this car is this Holy. and not this. And that car is a different color. And it's like, great. Are you buying any of them? If not, uh, Thank you for your input. I will completely ignore it. Uh, so, you know, there, there are some people like that, unfortunately in the hobby, there are some really, really good people as well. And as I say, been part of that hobby, learning and meeting people is the best way to gain skills, to gain, um, to learn techniques. That was what we were talking about earlier. You know, when I started lear learning to be better was when I started hanging around with other model car builders at a club and hopefully you can meet somebody, uh, look for flyers as well, because the flyers, the flyers will show clubs. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Generally near, near the registration table or not very far from it. There's going to be a table with flyers from that will announce other shows and model clubs and various other things like that. Take a look at it. It's worth looking for. You never know what you'll find. All right. I think we've uh, talked that one to death, John. Yeah, I think so. 
Although it's lots of fun. <laughs> Hope to be able to get to go one, <laughs> go to one again. <laughs> Harold, tell us what you uh, got at the, sh- the swap meet and how it went for you. Cause uh, we're certainly rooting, rooting for you. And both John and I are absolutely jealous that you're going to an event and we're not. Mm, yeah, we can't. We're not. Mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're, we're not uh, at that point yet in Canada. Uh, we've got one last question. Richard uh, Fraser, Fraser, Fraser. Sorry, I'm not Fraser? so. However, I butchered that. I apologize, Richard. Uh, he sent me a message. Uh, first off, you know, if you ever want to get on the show, he says, first off, I really enjoyed the podcast. Hey, that's that's the way to uh, get on the show right there. Yeah, uh, that'll get you it, noticed. He did have a question, and it's actually a good question. He was wondering if we happen to know why a model of the new Corvette C8 has not yet been produced. Hmm. He has some thoughts about licensing fees, but there's diecast models, resin kits. Uh, any rumors that you've heard of as far as the C8? I didn't. For one, for right off, I'll say I didn't realize there was a resin kit of the C8. The diecast didn't know it, but doesn't surprise me. <laughs> any rumors? Not that I've heard of. Nothing. Yeah, I'm not following diecast and resin markets. I would say resin kits may be a little loose on the licensing, depending on who's making it. Yeah, but it's it's GM too. GM tends to be pretty strict on their licensing. There was at least one resin manufacturer who got in trouble for not having the proper, not having paid the proper fees. Oh, uh, I did not uh, surf this beforehand. Uh, I'm going to think it's two things. Uh, the GM license for Corvettes recent models has predominantly been Ravel. Yep. And there's the problem. Now, now, now you're seeing the problem why I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> yeah. Ravel just went through, uh, basically they got bought out by the new investment partner in Germany. And I believe that has changed the focus of Ravel. If you look at a lot of the new tools they're coming out with. Oh, the Jaguar E-Type. Yeah, want one? Sure. Would I like a Corvette C8? Darn straight I would. (laughs) But they're looking at a worldwide market. A Corvette C8 is a largely North American market. Um, If you consider that the US, or the uh, Ravel Germany releases to everybody else first and then repackages it and sells it to North America. And they haven't done this for a lot of kits. There's a pandemic going on. I'm just thinking that it is it is a problem that Ravel doesn't have the interest, the time, and the money to focus on that. They seem to, seem to be quite focused on the European market and worldwide sales at the moment for some of the stuff that they've been coming out with. There's a bunch of VW stuff. Yeah, it'd be nice now. Now, if we could convince Chevrolet to market the car internationally. <laughs> But it is always going to be an American car. You know, there's no getting around that. You can say, you can say that about the Mustang, but Mustang's being offered in virtually the whole world now. That's true. Um, and I, I think eventually it might get there. And I hope it does because I've got all of the Corvette model years in different kits. I would, I would love to add to this as well. Mm-hmm. I just think, I think the problem is the only person that has potential had the pockets and the interest to del- to deliver on this doesn't have the resources. Their management structure is focused on other things at the moment. 
Uh, why Diecast would have it. I'm going to guess Diecast sells a hell of a lot more than a model you have to put together yourself. I don't know which Diecast manufacturers are making it, but they are more toy-like. Uh, their costs for development are a little less, perhaps. Uh, their accessibility to market is quite a bit different than a model car that you have to build. I don't know of anything specific on this one, but that would be my guess of what's going on. Any other thoughts you have on this, John? Any rumors you might have heard that I haven't thought nope. about? Nothing that I've heard. Nothing. I don't know anything about this right now. Uh, if you do happen to have a Corvette C8, I'd love to go for a ride in one too. Mm, yeah. Anybody? Anybody? Yep. Oh yeah, there the, there they are. I just happened to quickly Google it and a one eighteenth and one twenty four skill diecast Corvettes C C eight. Who's our Who's making them? Uh, Timeless Legends doing the one twenty fourth scale and the one eighteen. Uh, that's me. So, hmm. uh, who are Timeless Legends? I don't know. Them. Don't know. That's brand new. It's something new to me. Wait a minute. Maybe that's. Ah, sorry. It's Motor Max. Uh, okay. When you don't, when they don't let you blow up the picture of the box, it's a Motor Max and one twenty fourth scale. At least both red and blue. I'm just Googling the resin kit to see if I can find anything on there. I see some 118th. Uh, yeah, it's mm, a lot of digging, a lot of uh, Google is not my friend at this point. <laughs> no quick answers for uh, 24 scale. Just the die cast if you want a die cast. Which is better. At this point, it's better than nothing. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything as far as that. But, you know, it's probably out there. It's just not somebody I know. And if it's not somebody that I know and that's hitting really, really hard on Google, maybe Chevy's not found it yet. It's a little... <laughs> you know, just saying. Anyway, um, if, you, if anybody knows anything and has any feedback for us, let us know. We'll definitely uh, touch back on it if we learn anything new in a future episode. I think we're almost done, John. Yeah. Yeah, we're almost done. I was just <laughs> trying a few other <laughs> ways to find it. And well, there's something on eBay. 118th scale resin body. I think I have a new uh, episode title for us, John. Two old men, two grumpy old men surf the internet. Do we really need to go there? <laughs> all right um check out our website for more information on the podcast the hosts and links to join our communities on facebook and in slack our website is modelcar.show or modelcarpodcast.com we'll also get you there because i just renewed the domain on that one as well oh yay <laughs> yay i don't know why i did that but i did uh we got one bigger last time as well harold uh not only did you have a question but you also shared your Corner to bingo. corner bingo. Well done. Remember, we really appreciate our Patreon supporters who help keep this show going. They help cover the cost of hosting and domains such as modelcarpodcast.com, which I just had to pay for out of my pocket. So hmm. I really appreciate you guys uh, helping out. Thank you very much uh, to our Patreon producer level sponsors for this episode. They include Chris Martin, Alex Thomas, Mickey Gerace, Scale Finishes, Classic Truck Modeler Magazine, Ryan Voyer, Rick Henderson, Elm, C Elm City Hobbies. I can never say that right. Yeah, I don't know what you have a problem with it. 
for for some reason it's Elm Street, but Elm City Hobbies out Elm there Street. in Canada <laughs> and B Town Hobby. Let them know that you came from us because we really appreciate them. And if they know that you're hearing about them from us, uh, hey, it makes us look good. If you want to support us, we'd really appreciate anything you can do, even just a bucket episode. It'd be fantastic. Uh, our website for that, patreon.com slash podcast. And if you go to our website, modelcar.show slash supporters, you can even throw us PayPal donations. Hey, we'll take any kind of money. We're, we're cheap and we have expenses. Yeah, we always we also take models. We do, we do. <laughs> Samples are good. If yes. we'll even build them, maybe, or I might sell them. Well, you, you, you're going to build it. <laughs> you got a better chance of. <clears throat> no, not going there. <laughs> you know, if somebody sends me one of these model factory hero, um, I'll have a competition with you. There you go. All right. Uh, in that case, I think we're done for today. Uh, we will see you in two weeks. Thank you, and say goodbye, John. Goodbye, John.